invite you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 93, 93rd Psalm. We'll continue our study in the book of Psalms tonight. Let's hear the word of God together. Psalm 93, verse 1. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established, that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voices, and the floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waters of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. May the Lord bless the reading of his precious word to our souls tonight. The second hymn is number 77. We'll sing a paraphrase of that psalm we just read, Psalm 93. The Lord doth reign and clothed is he, with majesty most bright, hymn 77. <clears throat> <clears throat> For that great king in praise and prayer and worship. Let's pray together. And most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, how we bless you, how we praise you, how we worship you, for you are God. And you are God that reigneth, a God that ruleth the nations of the world. You are the sovereign, eternal God, without beginning and without end. A God who is holy and just and righteous. A God who is full of truth, love and mercy. And this evening, our Lord, we come to bring our praise and our worship before that throne of grace. And we would humbly bow before your throne tonight, giving you thanks and praise for your many mercies to us even through this day. 
Oh Lord our God, how great thou art. You've blessed us, you've kept us, and you are with us. And we pray tonight, Lord, that you would accept our praise and our worship, that we may do so in the fear of the knowledge of our God, for he is holy and righteous. We pray again, Lord, that you may meet with us, that you would encourage us, O oh Lord our God, how we need to be encouraged. And we pray, Lord, that you would feed us with your word, that our souls may delight in your testimonies, in your statutes. And we pray, Lord, that you would indeed enlighten the word of God to our benighted hearts and minds. May we see our great King high and lifted up in all his glory and splendor and majesty. And we thank you, Lord, that you have called us in to the family of God. And we acknowledge, Lord, that it is purely of your, your grace and favor. There is nothing in us, no good within us, which set your love upon us. But it was your grace, our merited grace. And we bless you, our God and Father, that you have enlightened our minds to the truth of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're very conscious, Lord, that many in our town and in our families and in our nation do not know this God. They are living for self. They live in darkness. And yet, Lord, we pray for them. We pray, Father, that we may be those living testimonies that speak well of a Savior, not only in word but also in deed. We pray, Lord, our lives may be those living epistles read by all men. We pray, Lord, for our neighbors in this street. We pray, Lord, that you would convict them and convince them. We pray, Lord, as they see us come here week by week, that they may be prompted. They may ask questions. Why? We pray, Lord, that the posters on the front there may give them a inkling, Lord, and some understanding of who we are and what you have done for us. And for any contact we have with them, Lord, we pray our words may be seasoned with salt and our, that our lives may reflect the love of Christ. We do pray, Lord, for this fallen world. We pray for our government. Again, Lord, in confusion and turmoil, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to those in authority over us, those whom you have set. And we, we thank you, Lord, that we have a semblance of government which brings uh, peace and which brings uh, freedoms so that we can come to worship our God tonight. So, Lord, we pray for national government and for local government. We pray, Lord, that you would have mercy upon us as a nation. Lord, we, we feel that we are under your wrath and the just condemnation of our God. But again, Lord, as we often plead, that in your wrath you would remember mercy. Lord, we pray that you would raise up men and women to speak boldly in places of authority, to stand for truth, to, to take a moral stand in these benighted days. We pray, Lord, that you bless your church. We thank you, Lord, that you promise that not even the gates of hell will prevail against her, that you will build your church. And we thank you, Lord, that as we look around the world, we, we see that happening. We see, Lord, that you are building, you are drawing men and women, boys and girls, to a saving knowledge of Christ. But, Lord, we see these things are far off, as it were. But, Lord, we want to see them in our own day, in our own nation, in our own land, in Gordon Road, in Halsham, and other towns and districts of our nation. We, we pray, Lord, for an outpouring of the Spirit of God, that, Lord, you would quicken us, enliven us. Lord, we not breathe life into these dry old bones, uh, that we may know the Spirit of God working in the midst of us. Lord, we've tried all our schemes. They failed. So we look to you. We look to you, the true and living God, uh, to breathe life into your church. Have mercy upon her, we pray. Lord, we, we thank you that we do see life. Uh, we see life in other parts of the world. We pray for the church in Sri Lanka tonight. And particularly, Lord, as they face this economic disaster as a nation, Lord, we pray for your people in particular, that they may be helped and comforted. 
We pray, Lord, for those who have gone over there this past week to, to speak and to encourage your people there. May they be kept safe. May they be blessed as they minister the word of God and as they have conversations with your people. May they each be built up in the most precious and holy faith. We pray, Lord, that you would meet the needs of your people there in that nation. And that, Lord, the crisis they face, we pray, Lord, there may be a way of escape. We pray, Lord, that many men and women who are deceived by Buddhism and Hinduism may cry out unto the living God, cry out to the Savior of sinners, and that many will be drawn into the kingdom of God in that nation, we pray. We pray again, Lord, for those of us who are suffering in body, mind, and spirit. We ask, Lord, to bring comfort to those who mourn. We pray, Lord, that you're blessed uh, the service on Friday for the dear sister Bev. We pray particularly, Lord, again for the family, that you would grant to them that peace which passes all understanding, that they may have that blessed assurance that dear Bev is now in the presence of her God. We pray, Lord, that the service may glorify the Saviour, a life which has been committed to his service, may speak well and much of him who gave his life for her. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless the ministry of this church in the coming days. We pray for our Bible study and prayer meeting and for the Lord's Day ministry. Lord, our God, encourage us, we pray. Come amongst us, small as we are. And Lord, we don't despise the day of small things. We pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged with the word of God and that it would do us good, we pray. So again, Lord, we commend our time to you this evening seeking your richest blessing upon us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. A third hymn, please, is 501. Sovereign grace or sin abounding, ransom souls the tidings swell. 501. <coughs>
invite you again to turn to that psalm we read earlier on, Psalm 93. A short psalm of just five verses, but full of uh, great truth to encourage us, I pray, tonight. We live in a world which is in turmoil. Physically and morally, we live in a nation which is bankrupt morally. We live in a world that is bankrupt, has no desire, no will to know the will of God. And Psalm 93, um, as we come to study tonight, begins a new section in our study of the book of Psalms. Uh, So from Psalm 93 through to 99, these are kingship psalms to encourage the people of God, to remind the people of God that who reigns this world. The psalms, as you know, is broken up into many topics. There are psalms of praise and worship, the psalms of lament, uh, psalms which call upon God to come amongst his people. But Psalm 93 and forward speak of the Lord who reigneth. Verse 1 of our psalm. The Lord reigneth. The Lord reigneth. Now if you turn over to Psalm 96, verse 10, say among the heathen, but the Lord reigneth. Verse 1 of 97, the Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the isles be glad thereof. And Psalm 99, the Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims. And tonight, I want to encourage you uh, to rejoice, but the Lord reigneth. I want to encourage you to tremble, for the Lord reigneth. This is no minor king. This is the great king. Verse um, 6 of Psalm 89. The Lord, the king. The Lord, the king. The Lord that reigneth. And Psalm 95 Verse 3, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. So our topic tonight is the Lord reigneth. Who is this Lord that reigns? Psalm 93 in the Jewish calendar for the weekly readings would be read on the sixth day. So every sixth day, this psalm would be read by the Jews to remind them of creation and that when God had created the heavens and the earth, that on the seventh day, he rested. On the sixth day, he reigns. He reigns over his creation. Verse 2, thy thrones established of old, thou art from everlasting. This is the God who is everlasting God. In verse 1, the word also established that it cannot be moved. Why? Because God has set it. God has established it. There are rules of nature and physics which hold all things together. So Psalm 93 is an enthronement psalm to remind the people of God that the Lord reigneth. And again, when we read of words which have been repeated, as we just read, the Lord reigneth, four times we read that, it's for the people of God to take note. This is important. This is not a a minor issue. So the Lord Lord reigneth. The Lord is sovereign. God is sovereign over heaven and earth. And one commentator says that this is the most precious doctrine to the heart and mind of God, the sovereignty of God. It should be the greatest comfort to the Christian, to the believer. Uh, I think Spurgeon said that the sovereignty of God is like a pillow that a believer may rest his head upon. And how we need to rest our heads upon the sovereignty of God. I like the way this psalm begins. We have given no intimation of the time or the event or the writer. But he makes a statement. The Lord reigneth. It's a statement of fact. It's a statement of history. It's a statement of all through time. The Lord reigneth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. 
No explanation. The statement of fact is emphatic. In the beginning, God, the Lord reigneth. The Lord reigneth. Who do you think tonight reigns over the affairs of men and women? Is it politicians? Is it kings, presidents, dictators, despots? No. This psalm reminds us very clearly, the Lord reigneth. Who is this Lord? Who is this Lord that reigneth? It's Yahweh. In your Bible, the word law is in capitals. That speaks of, of Yahweh. It's the, the sovereign God. The, the self-existent one. The one who has no beginning and no end. He is the independent one. He is sovereign. No beginning. No end. He is God. And the psalmist wants us to, to meet to experience her fellowship with this God, this Yahweh. And that's the beauty of the Psalms, isn't it? Because in the last study, in Psalm 92, it's, it speaks there of the believer, 92.13, those that be planted in the house of the Lord, it's the same word, Yahweh shall flourish in the courts of God, they shall bring full fruit in old age, and they shall be fat and flourishing, to show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Psalm 92 invites the, the believer to come into the house of God. And when it's in the house of God, to have fellowship, to have bread, to have communion with this Yahweh, this great, eternal, this self-existent, this independent God. Friends, what a blessing, what a privilege each of us have, that we are invited into the house of God. And when we're there, verse 12 of 92, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. It speaks of blessing and abundance. And this is the God to whom we bow before tonight. He is the Lord. He is Yahweh, he is sovereign, the self-existent one, the independent God. He is king, always, and he always will be king. Kings come and kings go. Men are raised up, but they go the way of all flesh. They die and they, they perish. Some kings are good, some are bad. But our God is not like kings of this world. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is eternal. He is the eternal king. And the Lord reigneth. He oversees the affairs of the world. He sets all things in motion. He's not confused. He doesn't change his mind. He's a God who's constant. So this Lord who reigneth is a God who is independent. He doesn't take advice. He doesn't need counsel. He has a mind which is set for the good of his kingdom and of his people. So we're speaking here of a theocracy where God rules. And Josephus first coined that word theocracy. We're speaking of God ruling over the nation of Israel. But some is speaking here of theocracy which governs the whole world and all the people therein. So it's not a democracy where God comes to people and seeks their advice and their counsel. He's not voted in as king. He's self-appointed. He's a lord that reigneth. He's not like the oligarchs, who are those who are rich and powerful, who govern a nation. We've heard a lot about such people these past months. This is the God that reigneth. The Lord reigneth. And Christian friend tonight, this is your God. It is God who reigns. Doesn't matter what you're going through, what difficulties, what hardships, what circumstances, 
He knows. He's sovereign. He knows when we're happy. He knows when we're sad. He knows when things are difficult. He knows when things are easy. And he uses these events for his purpose and for his glory. He's working his purposes out day by day through his sovereignty and through his providential dealings with each and every one of us. And some of those days are hard and difficult, but yet we still have a sovereign Lord who has us in his heart. We are the apple of his eye. So this Lord, this one that reigneth, I want to expand upon that slightly tonight, is exclusive. It's an exclusive reign. It's not Satan that reigns. There's not like this, this cosmic battle between good and evil. Another commentator says that Satan is God's Satan. He's under his authority, under his sway and power. Satan doesn't reign. He's a defeated foe. It may appear that he reigns, but that's a perception which is not true. The Lord reigneth. It's not men, good men or bad men, that reign. No, it's God, Yahweh, that reigns. It's not chance. It's not luck. It's not fortune. A lot of people talk about luck and fortune, etc. It's not karma. No, it's the Lord God that reigneth. It's God alone, friends. Yahweh. Jehovah, our God reigns. He reigns as God supreme and he reigns alone. And not only does he reign alone, there's no vice regent with God, he also reigns consistently, consistently. Every moment of every day, every second, he reigns. Do you believe this? Do we believe this? That every moment our God reigns. Despite the moral bankruptcy of our nation, God reigns. Despite the rebellion, the cosmic rebellion against the Lord God, he reigns supreme. Right now, our God reigns. Right at this very moment, our God is reigning. Despite what we see on our news, our TVs, and on our computers, our God reigns. And this is a truth which should encourage us. We have a God who is working his purpose out, day by day, minute by minute, not only in the nations, not only in the church, but also in your life. This God who's reigning right now. There's no boundary to his reign. History speaks of that reign. History is not distorted by men. It's part of God's providential dealings with mankind. Nature speaks of his reign. He reigns over history. He reigns over nature. He reigns over angels. He reigns over men. Good angels and bad angels, good men and bad men, good kings and evil kings. Our God reigns. There's no boundary. There's no limits to his reign. He reigns supreme. He is actively reigning. He's not a God who has sat down on his throne and folded his arms and crossed his legs and lets the world get on. No, he reigns actively. He reigns actively. His hands are not tied. He's not sitting, twiddling his thumbs. He's not, as some commentators say, that God has turned the clock of creation and is just unwinding slowly and slowly. No, God is actively in control. He is sovereign God of heaven and earth. How is he active? He's active in saving souls. We heard of some friends being baptized this last week. God is bringing a people out. He is bringing a people. 
He's called them by name, and they're coming one by one. We see in, in Asia, many come into faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is active in the saving of souls. He's active, friends, in hearing your prayers. It may feel like sometimes you're praying to a brass ceiling, but friends, be assured that he hears our prayers. And friends, he's active in building this church. He's active. I will build my church. Not a maybe. It's an I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A God is a God of supreme power, a God who is active, a God who is kind and righteous, a kind and righteous and a just God. So when we think of these things, what, what should our reaction be? It should be one of awe and reverence. We come to a God who is all-powerful, on our part, we should humble ourselves before this king, this one that reigneth. He is a great king and greatly to be adored. We are to have a high view of God. It should humble us before him. Well, again, one commentator says that when you go to a park with your children, we took our children to a park the other week. There's a seesaw there. And as you know, a seesaw, one is always up and one's always down, dependent on, on the action. That's what it should be like with us. When we see the sovereignty of God, we have a high view of God. God is elevated high and we are low. That's how we should be. But when man starts to, to say how wonderful he is, how much he's achieved, when that balance is tilted, God laughs. He has us in derision. Psalm 2. And that's not a hysterical laugh. It's a laugh of derision. I said to my granddaughter last night, we need to go shopping. I don't want to go shopping. I said, well, we need to get some bits for tea tonight. She said, if you beat me at arm wrestling, I'll come with you. So we had an arm wrestle, which turned out to be two, two arms and one leg. And she put all her force against my arm. And I'm, I'm laughing to myself because I, she's not going to win. And that's how it is with God. He looks at, at our puny efforts to deride him and, and to undermine him. And he, he laughs. For we're just weak, sinful creatures. So our God is exclusively reigning, constantly reigning. There's no boundaries to his reign, and he's actively reigning over his creation. And we are to be humbled before this great God. So the Lord reigneth. Look at this. He's clothed with majesty. He's clothed with majesty. Any king, any queen, any state occasion, you see the pomp and circumstance. You see the the monarch in a crown and robes and a scepter and the orb and the pageantry and the trumpets and the marching of the soldiers. But we see in here, he is clothed with majesty, with brightness, with glory. The Lord is clothed with strength, the psalmist tells us. He's clothed with strength. There's nothing can fraught him. There's no one can overpower him. He's, he's all victorious. He's that, that conquering saviour. His clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself, says the psalmist. He hath girded himself. That word girded means that he has girded himself. No one's appointed him as king. No one's elected him as king. He is king. And that word girded means no one can diminish it. No one can take that kingship away from him. He is king eternal for all time. And that should encourage us. This God is immovable. This God is like a rock, as the Psalms often speak of him, the high place of safety. As a consequence of his, of his nature and his attributes, part B of verse 1, the world also established that it cannot be moved. 
Do you understand that? Do you understand that, friends? The world also is established, but it cannot be moved. Because God is established, God has set things in order. When he created the world, it was good. There was nothing in the wrong position. He didn't have to readjust. It was established. And that should give us comfort as well. Because we live in a day where we're told, climate change, we're all doomed. The seas are rising. No, friends. This world is established. It cannot be moved. We need to understand that truth. We've been peddled the lie of climate change. We've been peddled the lie by David Attenborough and Greta Thunberg, the, the two extremes of humankind, isn't it? The young prophetess. That's what it is, friends. It's a religion. It's a returning to the old religion of Mother Earth. David Attenborough, the great wise prophet. The world also established that it cannot be moved. Yes, we know we need to be responsible for God's creation. We're to be wise stewards, what God has entrusted us with. Have you ever thought of this? If the world is going to deteriorate in the next 30, 40 years, why are the banks still loaning money to people, mortgages, investments? The banks don't believe this. They're still lending people money. If the world was going to come to an end and disaster, they would hang on to their investments. It's not true. We've been repeatedly told this lie. And this verse speaks to us very clearly. The world also established that it cannot be moved. Verse 2 says, Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. Thou art from everlasting. There's a stability in this throne. There's a stability in our world. Why? Because God reigns. The Lord reigneth. And as he reigns, he brings stability. This is why the nation of Sri Lanka is an economic mess. Because there's no stability in the government. When God blesses a nation with wise government, there's stability. And yet here we find here, that because his throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting, we can have confidence. We can have confidence in our God. We can have confidence in that stability of his throne, and for how long? Forever. For thou art from everlasting. He is a God who has eternal power, is an everlasting power, uh, to the glory of his name. And it's a throne. The Lord reigneth, he is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established. And you think of John there in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. When he goes into that vision, into heaven itself, what does he see? He sees a throne. What's he taken up with? The one who sits on the throne. The everlasting God. And Revelation chapter 4, it is full of that throne. He says in chapter 4 verse 2, And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Verse 4, And round the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings. And you can go through the whole next chapter there. It's the throne, it's the throne, it's the throne. It's the throne of Almighty God. God sits upon his throne. In the following psalm, um, Psalm 94, we see another throne. 94 verse 20. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by our law? Shall the throne of iniquity, shall the throne of destruction, we can translate that word iniquity, have fellowship with thee? And we see men 
queens and governments on their thrones, which are thrones of destruction. They are not designed, they have no desire to build people up. They're designed to bring people down. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee? They pass their laws to support their current acts. They're corrupt. They're immorally bankrupt. And yet, the throne here is established of old and is everlasting. But there's opposition to this king. In verse 3, it speaks of that opposition. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. Again, remember that principle of of three. So three times the word floods is mentioned here. The floods have lifted up. Who are the floods? What are the floods? Friends, the floods are those who are opposed to God. Those who have no desire to submit to the sovereign will of God. Those in our nation today. This, this is a word for us. Notice this. The floods have, in the past tense, the floods have lifted up, O oh Lord, the floods have lifted up, twice in the past tense, speaks of the floods. Those who are opposed to God. Begins with Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and through the Old Testament, we see those who raise themselves up against the authority and the sovereignty of God. And they're likened to the floods. So that's happened in the past. And then the third mention of the floods. The floods lift up their waves. That's the present tense. So in the past and in the present, this is the way it's been through history. All through time, the ungodly raise their voice against God. For the psalmist, it was the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Parasite, the Amorite. In our day... It's the gays, it's the liberals, it's the gender program which is being pushed upon us, our society and upon our children. These are the voices which speaks against the moral authority of God. And we as a church need to stand against these movements in our day and generation. It would be popular. You listen to programs... uh, where people speak against these things, they're vilified. Uh, the latest um, appointment to the High Court in America um, was asked a question in an examination before the Senate. Can you define for me what a woman is? People can't define what a woman is anymore. And this highly educated lady says, I am not a biologist. I cannot give you an answer. These are the days we live in. It's crazy, crazy days. We're morally bankrupt. And these programs are being taught to our children as young as five. Disney Corporation just lost a lot of um, entitlements because of this agenda, this transgender program in America. Friends, we need to stand with the word of God. The floods have lifted up. There's this tsunami against the word of God. And the people of God need to stand upon the word of God. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. But listen to this, verse 4. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. Again, it's Yahweh self-existent one, the independent God, the Lord on high. He's on high. He's above all the shouting, the screaming. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. Yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. You go down to Eastbourne. You go down there and you see those chalk cliffs and you you see the waves. They, They come in and they smash against the wave cliff there. What does it do? It just hits that rock and that mighty wave is just smashed to pieces. You just slow it down in slow motion, you see all these droplets flying through the air. 
And that's the picture we see here. The Lord on high is mightier than noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. They shout and they scream, they wave their fists in his face, and yet he is mightier than all those who oppose his sovereign will and purpose. And in closing we read, verse 5, thy testimonies are very sure. Thy testimonies. Testimonies, notice there, his testimonies, his truth, thy testimonies are, are very sure. Friends, this is our foundation. This is where we build our lives upon this word of God. It is very sure. We have a God who cannot lie. Psalms speak of testimonies, statutes, etc. Speaking of the completeness of the word of God. We see here that God's testimonies are, are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house. Holiness, not iniquity. And we live in a world full of iniquity. That's when we come to a place like this to worship. But God speaks to us through his word. And we are changed, we are transformed more into the image of our God. Holiness becometh fine house. Is that your desire, Christian, tonight? To become more holy, to become more Christ-like as you study and submit to his testimonies. My testimonies are very sure. No doubt. Whatever the Lord God has declared will come to pass. There will be a day of reckoning. There will be a day of an account where all men will give an account for their words and for their actions. There will be accounting. Do you love Christ? Have you followed in the ways of holiness? Because we're in his house. It goes back to Psalm 92. He has no dealings with, with sin in his house. No dealings with unrighteousness. For holiness become a fine house, O Lord, forever. That's our destiny as the children of God, to dwell in the house of the Lord our God forever. May the Lord bless those thoughts to us tonight and trust they would encourage us to look up to our sovereign God. And we're closed by singing in number 65. Great declaration of faith. The Lord is king. Lift up thy voice, O earth, and all ye heavens rejoice. Him, 65. <coughs>
full of splendor and majesty and we bow before you tonight so Lord we pray for your blessing upon us as we depart go before us through this coming week may we live to your praise and to your glory we ask it in Jesus name Amen